My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 24th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're looking at a super mega chunk of progs, covering September and early October 1978, progs 80 to 85. Uh, this week we'll see the end of everything. Ant Wars, Dan Dare, Robo Hunter, the Cursed Earth Saga. It all ends tonight. It's going to be a bloodbath. And yeah. uh, that's actually serious. It's going to be, it's, there's carnage everywhere. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, there's, it's, a, uh, it's an exciting combo of cliffhangers and endings that will leave us fresh and new for episode uh 26 where we start everything fresh and it's uh new it's gonna be a great show for new listeners but we aren't there yet instead let's get to the present Mm. thrill one robo hunter so <laughs> Robo uh, Robo Hunter, the uh, the script robot for Robo Hunter's TB Grover, the art robot's Ian Gibson, and the lettering robot is Steve Potter. So just to remind you, Sam Slade is the Robo Hunter. He's on the planet Verdus to put down a robot revolt. He's got his blaster back and it's time to blast some bots. Um, Not to mention his trusty cigar. Yeah, he's got a cigar, he's got a weird ball cap, he's accompanied by the pilot of his spaceship, who is named Kid, and has been de-aged because of uh, improperly shielded hyperspace jumps to now be a, uh, a baby. But with the brain and, and like, motor skills of a man? Yeah, it's a Who, who Framed Roger Rabbit kind of situation. Yeah. Um, and then he also has a Cutie, who is his robo-scanner that, for some reason, looks like kind of a busty blonde lady. It's pretty great. Yeah. So, Sam Slade, he's got his blaster back, and he's got time to blast some bots. He takes down robot guards of the human prison he's currently in and tries to free the humans, but they've been in prison so long they don't even know what freedom means. Yeah, they're really weird and gross and kind of zombie-ish. Yeah. Meanwhile, Slade and Kid decide to get busy living instead of getting busy dying because they're getting out of prison. And so they there's there's an especially good shot of the baby with a blaster saying "Die, die, 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 die." <laughs> so they take a uh, reprogrammed truck robot, and <laughs> Slade, Kid, and Honey blast their way through into the massive city of Verdus eventually breaking into a random apartment door where they find the place full of modern amenities, all of them robots. There's no escaping robots on this planet. Yeah, everything in the house is a robot, and it talks, and it's got its own personality. Yeah, so we start the next frog with, in this robot apartment of the future, everything's a robot. The chair, the trash can, the teapot, even a pair of shoes. They all just want to be used by humans, but all yep. they see is this sim in their apartment. Yeah, this is where we learn that the robots all think humans are sims, simulated humans, because they think that humans are superior to robots in every way, and naturally actual humans are not superior to robots in, in every way. They aren't as good as math, they can feel pain, etc. 
Um, Slade explains how this stance is dumb because, like, why would they build robots if they were better than all of them? Yeah, they're like, we're gonna, we would totally use you, and then they're like, oh, maybe we should talk about this. They yeah, talk about it. So uh, while the robots kind of deliberate, they let uh, Slade and Kid take a nap on the robot bed. <laughs> um, who abstains from voting he just votes the majority mm. as they do sam has a bad dream that kind of rehashes the story so far oh, i mean it starts sexy Complete, it just gets yeah. weird with <laughs> some extra babes and then the un guys come and tell him to go and blah 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 but then everyone turns into robots and he's like whoa why are these hot chicks robots ah. mm-hmm. he wakes up and learns that the robots have eventually have basically voted a stalemate So they're going to send Sam and the robot boots to find SJ-1, the first robot on Virtus. Um, And, of course, the only robot on Virtus that's actually met a human at all. And it's very strange what this robot got relegated to. Well, yeah, but first I just want to say that a kid stays behind as a hostage, so it's just Sam. Oh, yeah, he's collateral. Yeah, so Slade follows the robot boots to find SJ-1. Along the way, they get attacked by robo-police, and they have to escape. Sam Slade actually puts on the boots, which then start running really fast, like 60 miles an hour, so fast that Sam falls down and gets, like, dragged by the boots. And then uh, I think Blondie, like, scolds the shit out of boots, like, hey, you're hurting him, you jerk. Yeah. So eventually they find a, they they took a robot cab to the robot records building. And the cab's really excited because it never gets to get used. Yeah, it's no fares because it's all just robots. (laughs) (laughs) They find the location of SJ-1. Slade kills a bunch of robot guards and the robot librarian that helps him. (laughs) And then he gets back on the cab and they're all going to process plant 8883 in city sector 12. He sure is killing a lot of robots that are strangely helping him. Yeah, buddy. So the uh, Prague 83 starts with my favorite line, which is, um, oh, wait, no, Prague 84, I'm sorry, starts with, I'm Sam Slade. I'm on the robot planet. I'm in trouble, which I think is pretty funny. <laughs> The process plant is a robot recycling center. Thousands of robots wait there for their deaths. Um, Which get- is pretty gruesome because you get a lot of idea of, like, the diff- they have personality. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. They're definitely sort of very cognizant of the fact that they're about to be killed, but are also sort of okay with it because they're just kind of robots. Um, it's very bizarre. Yeah. But I really love this part of the comic. Gibson draws this huge mass of all these thousands oh, yeah. of different kinds of robots, really, and it looks really cool. And then just like the sort of industrial center of this recycling plant is really complicated and built out and stuff and just the detail of the art and how it makes this place look really huge and awesome is very good art especially as you go lower in that uh descending shot that's where all of the fine line work comes in right because it's meant to make it bring it more like closely together for perspective and it just makes it more detailed as it goes down which i think is really gorgeous yeah, so uh, the boots goes to like a, a a robot guard and asks where SJ One is. Meanwhile, Sam gets caught by two other robots, and he basically tricks them into allowing him to shoot them both in the head with one bullet, and then he uh, uses their corpses to make uh, a robot disguise. It's really horrid. 
the whole thing. And like the way he makes them, he makes the robots put their heads together and then say, we're going to California. And then he shoots them both in the head. It's like some of mice and men stuff. Basically. Oh, it's really bad. If you, he, uh, he murders two robots. Yeah, but, you know, they would have killed him, man. You can't... Stop sympathizing I, with these robots, Fox. All I'm saying is if he can get them to put their two heads together like that, he could probably convince them that, you know, go over there for a really long time. All I'm saying is that these robots will kill a man as much as look at him. They got a whole human recycling hey, plant turning humans into fertilizer on this planet, a man. sim. They just don't realize it yet. <laughs> Anyhow... <laughs> Sam's so so. Sam uses the uh, the dead bodies of these robots to uh, make a sweet uh, forklift robot disguise. <laughs> that's basically uh, just that's basically just his regular clothes and then sort of the scaffolding of a forklift on his chest that he's just like gripping onto, walking around looking real dumb. Yeah, uh, but there's reason because of the well, nameplate. Yeah, it, it marks him as a level two robot, which means that he can order around um, lower level robots. In this case, he uh, tells a whole swarm of tiny level one robots to go kill themselves. Which is horrible. Basically out of spite. Uh. <laughs> and eventually, they, uh, Sam and Boots finds their way to SJ-1. And SJ-1 is just kind of sweeping the floor of the robot recycling power. But now with a broom, uh, plant. a robo-broom. Well, he's got a broom. It's just also a robot. Yeah. He's uh, <laughs> he's, he's kind of crazy. He's Or he's kind of gone daft. He's a, he's a wood-burning robot. <laughs> and yeah, it's bizarre. He has, like, a boiler and stuff. And mm. so when he sees Sam, and like, you know, the first human he's seen in a <clears> long time, he gets so excited that he lets out the pressure on the steam whistle, which summons the guards, which forces Sam and the others to have to fight their way out. Eventually, Sam reprograms one of the guard robots to help them escape, and <laughs> they make it out, and then it's just Sam, SJ-1, the boots, and the cab on the loose. And with that, we sort of end with a cliffhanger for Sam Slade. He'll be back soon uh, in Prague 100. Take a breath and a bow, man. Damn. <laughs> I love Robo Hunter, man. Or like <laughs> this, um, this early Robo Hunter I really love. Um, I think it's really good. I'm not going to lie. There's sort of some mid-90s Robo Hunter that I'm less a fan of, but this early stuff, like... Ian Gibson's art is really amazing. I really love him as a uh, as a especially a black and white artist actually. Um, yeah. And just this story is really funny and kind of has this like kind of semi-noir like first person dial like first person narration and then just the absurdity oh, of all these of all these robots who are just sort of sort of jollily dying and killing themselves and stuff is very kind I, of uh, very charming, it, I think. It's schlock as hell. It's so great. Uh, like, everything is a fucking robot, which yeah. is genius. Um, I love that he's just, he's got a baby for reasons. He's got a, a chick on his belt for reasons. Yeah. He smokes a cigar. He is not a great dude. He's just like, he's just like pest control, but he's the best pester in the entire world. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think that's what really adds to this, like, charm. He's this roguish dude. <laughs> All he does is take these, like, thinking, walking, feeling beings and just shoot <laughs> Or murder them indiscriminately, which, by the way, it's my biggest problem with it, too. 
But I fucking love this comic. Yeah, no, he, uh, it's good, man. He, whatchamacallit. <laughs> yeah, he just, he kind of smokes cigars and uh, kills robots. And that's, and what's not to like? I, well, it's, it's weird. Like, it just delivers on a solid story, like, mm-hmm. around that, right? Like, what do you do when you land on robot planet where you sent the robot to? The logical thing is find that robot. He wasn't he wasn't really able to do that, but kind of lucked into it. Uh-huh. And now we've got this like I don't know, real good story going. Yeah, I'm actually pretty excited for what they come up with. So. For sure, yeah, no, Robot Hunter is going to be real exciting when it comes back someday in the future. <laughs> but you said that uh, Sam Slade was like uh, pest control. And yeah. speaking of pest control, uh, thrill to Ant Wars. I didn't even notice. I did. I'm always, <laughs> always on the hunt. Um, <laughs> so, thrill, so the script robot for Ant Wars is Gary Finley Day, the art robots at Prizzy, or as Peary, I should say, and then the lettering robot is John Aldrich. So when we last left Ant Wars... Uh, the battle for Rio had concluded and the ants had seemingly all been destroyed with our heroes, Ant Eater, the uh, native uh, dude, and uh, Captain Via sort of convalescing in um, hospital beds. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, <laughs> the ant war has moved to Argentina. Oh, no. Yeah. We see a, a pair of Scotsmen wandering the Argentinian wilds. Still Instead dis- of Argentinians for reasons. Well, I think it's just like a way to introduce them to um, European or, or to British audiences or something. Mm-hmm. Um, they're Scotsmen. They're still bummed about their team's loss in the 1978 World Cup, which was held in Argentina. And Scotland, oh. and Scotland was eliminated in the group stage. Oh, I yeah. did not know that. Well, you know, that's why I'm here, buddy. So as they... Knowledge is power. As they sing and kind of relitigate the uh, the game, the tournament and stuff, uh, baby, there's a giant ant attack. <laughs> <laughs> they were hiding in brush that was not all that big, so I'm pretty pretty surprised at these I ants. Put, I don't put anything past these giant ants. <clears throat> oh. Yeah, it's true. They're <laughs> conniving. And they rip these guys apart. It's awesome. Yeah. In their hot, um, in their hospital beds, in Rio, Anteater and Captain Via recuperate from the giant ant attack, and on TV, also, okay. also Captain Via was cured of his racism. Good, to, yeah, no, he's actually pretty like down with ant at, at this point. I guess yeah. they managed to survive all this ant stuff. He's like, all right, like maybe you have some points. <laughs> <laughs> he is completely cured of racism. It's pretty yes. impressive. <laughs> so. <laughs> They learn about the lost tourists on TV, and they show the remains. All that is is one of the, is a uh, a tam o' shanter, which is one of those Scottish hats with the puffballs on top. I never knew the name of it until that point. Yeah, no, it's we're, we're learning all kinds of stuff, and an <laughs> ant antenna. <laughs> oh man, ant ant. Yeah, ant eater and V immediately identify the antenna, and they know that the ant menace has not ended. Hey, uh, hey, Conrad. Yo. So if, uh, let's say, that uh, you were um, an ex-captain and I was a native boy. <laughs> yep, the, um, the special psychic gift for sensing giant ants. Okay, and we both knew that we had to get out of a hospital. Right. Like, how, how would we do that? Okay, easy. So there's guards outside our, our hospital room, so we have to get past those guys, all right? 
Yeah, so, like that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, so I need I'm gonna need you to dress oh. up like a nurse and uh, okay. just distract them first with your feminine wiles and then with gay panic. Then <laughs> I'll come through with a crutch and I'll beat the crap out of them. Then uh, we take off their clothes and we put on their clothes and leave them them behind. Then we walk out the front door of the hospital. We uh, get in a cab, get on a plane, and land at Buenos Aires. Uh, only one request that I have, because I'm completely on board with this plan. Mm-hmm. Is it all right if I karate chop one of the guards in the neck? Uh, yeah, I'll let you have it. It's cool. <laughs> all right, awesome. I've always wanted to do that. Good. Anyhow, once we <laughs> theoretically, once in this scenario, once we arrived on the uh, on the pampas of our of of, Argenti- of Argentina, right, uh, the highlands where the gauchos wander, uh, follow their herds and stuff. Oh yeah, like I've heard about that. It's yeah. like really scenic and beautiful. Yeah. Well, we'll find the remains of the giant ant fight, and oh, they get okay. hit, and they get hit by some sweet ass bolas around our legs. <laughs> Because Where the hell did those come from? Well, they're thrown by the gauchos because they blame us for the recent slaughter of their herds. But we know that it's because of the giant ants. Oh. <laughs> well, I, I'm so, kind of surprised that they don't see them. How how has no one really realized all of this? Uh, just because giant ants are incredibly stealthy is the actual answer. But um, <laughs> just to bring it back to the comics, this is basically what happens. We end the first yeah. prog with... Um, <clears throat> Anteater and and Via having escaped from their hospitals and then getting captured by a bunch of gauchos by getting <laughs> bolad in the legs because they're being blamed because the death of their herds by obvious giant ant attack are being blamed on them. It's really amazing. In the next prog, everybody's immediately attacked by giant ants. <laughs> um, Via and Ant make their escape in, in their car, and we quickly learn that uh, this is apparently ant behavior because Via reads a, a guidebook about ants. It's he's like oh they they milk aphids and so cows for reason yeah when you're a bulldozer sized ant I think a cow is pretty similar to an aphid why not um, they drive their stolen car into a gas station via tries to call for help but as he's being connected to the various switchboards he sees a <laughs> giant cloud of dust which is the ants and their cattle herds appearing on the horizon. Ant and Via run and hide again, and they manage to escape, but this time they fall into the hands of a bunch of no-good revolutionaries. Man, this guy sure looks like Che Guevara. It's true. So, though skeptical, the revolutionaries actually agree to fight the ants. It's the only time someone's instantly believed uh, Via and Ant. (laughs) That there are giant ants and they're coming to kill us. Well, um, and, now, and now, way... now 12 out of 16 progs into this story. <laughs> so, but the way he convinces him is like, he's like, ah, oh, man, why would I help you guys with this stupid ant shit? I'm fighting a revolution. He's like, oh, because then you would defeat the ants and everyone would think you're so totally cool. And he's like, oh, shit. Damn, that's such a great... Yeah! Well, I am incredibly vain, of course. (laughs) So ridiculous. So, uh... You know, they have some early success fighting the ants, and it's good times. They blow them up with mines. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Guevara, who's the leader of the rebels, I'll have you know, um, sends, sends Via out to get a bunch of reporters to cover his victory on the ants. But as, as Via leaves, another ant column shows up with more, 
Um, so Gavard been holding like an like a queen ant cocoon hostage to try to make the ants do what he says. But then the, this new column shows up with a whole bunch of other ant cocoons, which hatch, and suddenly there's a fleet of uh, flying ant queens that start flying into the foothills of the Andes as Via returns with the reporters. Oh and, shit! You only thought there was one. Ah! And finds um. <clears throat> Guevara's dead body inside one of the cocoons. Luckily, Ant managed to hide from the uh, ant attack, so he's okay. Yep. So Looking, with his with his open shirt and it's like tucked into his ridiculous, like everything about him is made super effeminate. Ant eaters, uh, super swinging late seventies guys. Frankly, oh. yeah, fair enough. But so, uh, Ant, Ant eater, and Via get picked up by the uh, Argentinian military, and then they're involved in a huge, deadly chase to get to the, some big military meeting. And it's super awesome, man. There's flying ants zooming in and picking up jeeps and getting caught in explosions as jeeps fly into other jeeps and stuff. <laughs> it's invasion level yeah. awesome. <laughs> so Via and Ant eater end up addressing this meeting of military guys from around South America. <laughs> As a giant ant looks through the windows, oh my god, I love Ant Wars. It's really, really, really good. <laughs> so, meeting of South American military dudes. One is skeptical about the giant ants, and it's instantly eaten alive by a giant <laughs> ant that just breaks through the window of the bunker thing they're in and just chews this guy alive, and they eat it, and then they kill it. That that one giant oh. ant. Yep, they cut off its head and legs and stuff. It's so, really great. Now that uh, people saying, oh, I don't believe these giant ants have kind of had their questions answered, sort of <laughs> ED-209 in RoboCop style. Oh, oh it's really great. <laughs> uh, the Americans who happen to be there agree that, hey, let's just uh, drop some nukes on the Andes. That'll take out the ants, whatever. <laughs> they do so right away. And <laughs> seems to work pretty well. Ant and Via are, are uh, put on some radiation suits. And help investigate to make sure the ants are finally dead. As they do, they fall down through some tunnels and find underground a bunch of alive ants. Oh, man. When Viad falls in the tunnel, he breaks his ankle. And it's time for the final ant showdown. Things get real messed up. Yeah. Down in the ant den, things look bad until we learn that the humans have an unlikely ally in the war against the giant ants. That ally? Regular-sized ants. Oh, yeah, man. They're <laughs> encroaching on their territory or whatever. Yeah, the small ants attack the giant ants and start killing them, basically, which is pretty awesome. Um, True. And Anteater and Via take the fight to the ants, but it's basically a suicide mission. They eventually both die from ant attacks, but so do the giant ants. They're consumed by the small ants, and the ant menace has been destroyed forever. But they die unknown as the military brass just assumed the nukes worked. And, uh, you know, hey, honestly, when you think about it, those ants weren't really that big, right? Yeah, come on, man. Like, bulldozer-sized. <laughs> That's ridiculous. They were maybe, like, uh, like Labrador-sized at best. Wow. Anyhow, you know that uh, CGS gas that caused this problem in the first place? Yeah, you know, testing's about to start up again. Just some live tests on some anthills and stuff. They should work out pretty well. Exactly. Oh, and so ends Ant Wars. It's dark as hell. My, This is the uplifting thing at the end. He tosses the can behind him, and as they're driving away, on the far left there's a can, and there's ants crawling on top of it. They're nourishing their protectors in this case, right? <laughs> it's a very odd thing, Ant Wars. Um, 
part two was so much less racist and so much more invasion and awesome and yeah and, and like the way it ended was excellent it's really weird how they just decided to like the first half they're trying to do social commentary and the second half they just really embraced the monster story of yeah. here's a bunch of giant ants we gotta survive these giant ants you know i guess it's there's still some political monster. yeah oh sorry please Oh, I, I said, I just guess there is some political stuff with Guevara and things like that, but it's way less pointed, I guess. Yeah, it, or, it feels more like a, um, like a cameo than a, like, oh, revolutionaries are bad. I mean, like, obviously they were dumb enough to, you know, run in and start shooting up some ants, but, <laughs> you know, yeah. someone had to do it. Like, we needed somebody to shoot some guns. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Blow some mm-hmm. ants up. They were the excuse. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, it, it was kind of, I look, um, I guess what I'm saying is I, it sounds like we both really love this series. It was kind of a gamble when we first started, but it paid off. <laughs> Speaking of gambles, Fox, <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, Thrill 3, Judge Dredd. So script robots for Judge Dredd are T.B. Grover and Pat Mills. Art robots Mike McMahon and Brian uh, Bolland. Lettering robots John Aldrich and Pete Knight. When we last left Judge Dredd, he and his team bringing vaccine to Mega City 2 had just arrived in Las Vegas, which had been taken over by gangsters. And now the evil chief judge has ordered Judge Dredd to walk the plank. Ah, uh, snap. Yeah. Hey, 100 credits says he hits the red circle. Exactly. Everybody below takes bets on what'll happen. At the last minute, super punk Spikes Harvey Rotten shows up with a fire escape shoot and catches Judge Dredd as they fall. As he falls, the two of the, Yeah, it's awesome. The two of them escape. The judges, with the help of the League Against Gambling, going to their secret hideout in the basement where church dude Linus reads the prediction of Abner Cobb, a prophecy of a man bringing law to Vegas that sounds extremely judge dready. <laughs> it's really awesome. I love this, like, religious overtone that it's given. Yeah. So it turns out, luckily, that um, <laughs> the yearly tournament to decide which of the uh, crime families will be chief judge for the next year is taking place, like, tomorrow... Well, of course, plot had to happen. Indeed, and technically any judge can enter, though you, know, you <laughs> obviously it's always um, the crime family guy's judge, Dread from out of town, shows up and sort of gets it in, uh, you know, in standard. There's nothing in the rule book against mules kicking, kicking field goals kind of uh, laws. <laughs> so Dread and Spikes sign up, and they take part in an event that's basically half race and half death match. And Spike proves friggin awesome yeah it's a lot of uh driving around in like model t's while the other person rides shotgun and shoots a tommy gun and stuff anyhow naturally judge dread wins <laughs> but instead of agreeing to become chief judge he passes the baton to the league against gambling and continues on his way hooray he has secured las vegas yeah for a while whatever um <laughs> who cares next- about them vaccine yeah. Next Prague, we open with Mega City 2 under attack. While... This was awesome. They're just yeah. like shooting syringes at people. <laughs> yes, knocking people out. Like, oh, God, we got to stop, but we can't kill anybody because if we get the vaccine, we'll actually be able to cure them. But until then, they're trying to kill us. 
Um, and we are about to enter Death Valley, but before then, the, the Land Raider pauses to fix a coolant unit for the, uh, for the vaccine. Exposition episode. Yeah. During this time, we also see a map of the United States, and we, with, that, that sort of shows what parts of the land Mega City 1 and Mega City 2 cover. And Mega City 2 is basically just the western seaboard statewide, like it's California, Oregon, and Washington. Dude, west coast, best coast. Something. But <laughs> Mega, C- Mega City 1 is huge. It's, um, it's the entire eastern seaboard into New England, down, to Fl- down, down the Florida, like down the Florida Peninsula, but, I, not, a, but not the panhandle. And then east through Ohio, up to uh, Michigan. And it just uh, mainland Michigan, not the uh, not the Upper Peninsula. It's pretty intimidating the size, and that the cursed Earth isn't anything mapped. Because wasn't there um, there's there's new or uh, uh, Mega Texas or Texas City? Yeah, Texas City. Yeah, they don't show Texas City on this map for some reason. Hmm. All right. But uh, but during this time, uh, tw- we learned that Tweak is basically able to fully speak English and do math, like. Spikes shows him like one plus one, and Spike is like, "That's good, Spikes," and then draws like an advanced <laughs> equation on the, in the dirt. Which, what the hell? Yeah, and so this pause apparently gives Tweak enough time to tell his story. I was president once. No man, that's Bob Booth, man, bad Bob. Um, <laughs> we we learned that uh, Tweak was in fact the ruler of his home planet, I suppose. <laughs> But his home planet was full of just rock-eating tweaks, super smart, eating uh, their eating uh, awesome gemstones. Mm-hmm. They're the then, most delicious. Yeah, but then humans show up. The tweaks probe their minds psychically, and they learn that even if these humans maybe come in peace and want to be friendly, uh, humans in general are warlike assholes. See this entire <laughs> section of the curse. See this entire cursed Earth storyline, um, <laughs> and so. Uh, if they should learn that the Tweaks are intelligent beings or that they have vast mineral wealth and diamonds and stuff, then there'd be huge problems. Mm-hmm. The Tweaks, the Tweak people decide not to contact the humans and just let them leave. But then our buddy Tweaks' kids esca- uh, run out onto the surface of the planet and get caught by the humans. And try they to do the whole cute animal routine. Yeah, trying to defend them. Tweaks' mate goes out to grab the kids, but they all get caught. Yeah. Um, Put in cages, too. It's really like, like what yeah. the hell, guys? So Tweak decides that he, he'll go and be with his family. And then they make sure they all play that they're stupid animals and then that'll fool the humans and they'll leave them alone. So he sort of abandons his, his people and his society to go be with his family and to protect his uh, world. He's a pretty awesome character so far. Yeah. yeah to be continued. So next up, we continue they're the story. They're fucking with him and probing him and stabbing yeah. him. Yeah. Tweak and his family have been captured by the humans and they're like running tests and stuff. Tweak makes sure to present as super dumb, even though their uh, brain scans sort of say that they should be intelligent. But like, they like, uh, hey, here's a book. What do you do with a book, buddy? And uh, Tweak like bites it. They give him a gun. And he just starts pointing the barrel in his own face and stuff. And they're Ugh. like, ah, these guys are dumb. Let's get rid of them. Um, and so, oh. Tweak and his family are sold into slavery. Um, his kids and his mate are sold to like a spoiled little girl who 
eventually when he, she tries to like dress his kids up in like funny costumes and they refuse and like snap at her she has her father basically take them out back and shoot them in a fit of which pain. is horrible and that kind of leads to how we last saw them like being buried by tweak somewhere deep in the cursed earth man like his wife was like out picking cotton yeah it's incredibly it's incredibly like tragic but also like uh uh, symbolic like yeah in a big way pretty surface i'd say like you don't have to reach very far to to get to it you know no um but so in the end dread kind of asks tweak like hey well you know you can't trust humans like how come you told me this story and tweak says that he trusts judge dread that judge dread won't try to screw him over and yeah. then he asks why why he's telling uh oh and then he says that he's fine telling Spikes Harvey Rotten even though and even like Spikes hears all this and like makes a con writes a contract to say like uh, like uh, if you're the ruler then you could just say that I own half the planet right that's fine <laughs> and, like, and he's like oh is this gonna make you happy and he's like yeah so he signs it yeah and so he explains that he's just kind of being nice to Spikes because Spikes won't survive Death Valley. Which, when I read that, I was I started getting a little upset. Anyhow, let's head out to Death Valley. <laughs> <laughs> and we open to a giant statue in a tank with a man smoking a pipe. It's awesome. So Death Valley... It's the tur- best. <laughs> Death Valley turns out to be the site of the final battle between the judges and the forces of Bad Bob, Bob Booth, the president that we uh, freed from cryogenic slumber in Fort Knox earlier in the Cursed Earth saga. The judges are all dead, but the robot soldiers fight on, rising from the ground. They're zombie robot soldiers, and they're hungry for the blood of judges. <laughs> and they're not even super, like, into it. They're like, do we have to? Like, we like being in the ground. No, the... get up. Let's go. Yeah. Come on. Everyone's gonna listless. We're going to kill all the humans. Let's go. <laughs> so uh, the guys make a run for it, but are quickly overwhelmed. Judge Jack goes crazy and tries to desert, but is killed by the robots. He was almost eaten by old One-Eyes' son. Yeah, he's been uh, cracked ever since the Satanist debacle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Dread, Spikes, and Tweak, along with the vaccine, take refuge in an abandoned fort, the Castillo de los Hombres Muertos, the Fort of Dead Men. <laughs> Which, great, great name for a fort. So, before we get to the Judge Dread part in Prog 84, there's also this half-page, basically half-page ad for Jolly Green Giant brand canned vegetables. <laughs> it's like, it might as well be called, like, Jolly Green Giant brand, please stop suing us. You know? uh, I didn't this, even think about that when I was reading him, man. This is apparently specifically mandated by lawyers after the events of the uh, Jolly Green Giant thing in that uh, Land of the Mascots thing in the cursed earth i mean if that was the worst they got that's not the worst i think it also cost them a lot of money but this was like a big uh, um thing in the prog that really did it that and sort of those stories not having been able to be reprinted until like last year oh my god that's insanity it's how it goes you know they had like british britain has different laws about satire and stuff than they do here in america i think i i huff at you great britain indeed (laughs) So, so we open to everyone holding a blaster looking it, awesome. It's so awesome. I, like, if, you were, if you're thinking about uh, big uh, 2000 AD tattoos, 
or oh, alternately, yeah. alternately a cover for your Facebook page. Oh God! This picture of dread spikes and tweaks and tweak each with guns shooting shooting uh, off screen robots is not a not not a bad choice. <laughs> no, it's not. So they're blasting. So- yeah, it's so awesome. They're blasting away to the robots. Huge robot bulldozers attack the fort, and things look pretty bad. Spikes takes a blast and is on the verge of death. He goes out fighting buying Tweak and Dread enough time to make a plan. They dress Spike's body up um, in a spare judge uniform and then use the last remaining law, Lawmaster bike, the Land Raider Jesus. vehicle, and their final surviving friendly war droid to basically go out in a blaze of glory, um, <sighs> faking Dread's death and exploding a huge number of the, uh, of the enemy robots. Oh man, it's so intense because then they have these things on their backs and they, then a friggin' sandstorm kicks up. Yeah, the vehicles explode and Dread and Tweak carry the vaccine and backpacks heading to Mega City 2 on foot, 60 miles to go. Uh, a sandstorm kicks up and Dread and Tweak lose each other in the winds. And so now it's, ju- it's just Dread on his own, stumbling toward Mega City 2. In the final prog, Dread wanders through the Mojave on his way. As he does, he's plagued by visions of everything and everyone he's met over the last 25 progs. All, all the bad guys, the, the, the giant rats and the rat cultists, all the different mutants. Um, not... I forgot about the rat cultists. <laughs> yeah, man. There's just... Wind so... rats. Yeah, the rats that, that flew through the sky, you know. <laughs> So there's Satanus and the goat and and the goat man like happened the mutant hunters. Oh, there's even man. like tiny like the uh, the, the vampire um, robots. Even <laughs> a little bit of of Ronald McDonald, although he's just in the corners because they don't want to get sued anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> eventually, Dread manages to will his way past these hallucinations but even as he does he's actually attacked by uh leftover robot zombies who grab his ankle and like (laughs) try to pull him down and keeps continuing on and he's like ah screw off (laughs) dread just crawls basically dragging himself hand over hand until into into the sight of the walls of mega city too they find him and help him get up, and then he continues and manages to walk through the front gates of the beleaguered city, at which point it's he passes really out. Yeah, I mean, he's almost dead. He's only got and one then, shoe, uh, got no sleeves, the, the, the middle D of his name is missing from his badge. I love that they have to wrap and bandage his like the top half of his face. Yeah, eight hours later, he wakes up in a med bay uh, bandaged, Basically putting the parts covering his helmet because <laughs> he's Judge Dread, <laughs> and they tell him that a tweak has also made it through with more vaccine. Yay! Then we cut to some weeks later. Dread is basically back to fighting form and is reunited with Tweak. And some fucking judge gives some back chat about Tweak and gets a slap to the face. It's awesome. Yeah, Dread's like you mess. You mixed concrete in with his rocks. You bad. He slaps this judge across the face. It's awesome. But so they sort of talk and Dred's like, you know, if we reveal that you were smart, you could have a hero's welcome and stuff. I want the whole world to know about your heroism. And Tweak's like, no, man, like that just get me killed in my planet, you know, raped of its resources. Like, no, thank you. I just like to go home, you know? Yeah. And 
And so Judge Dredd, now his mission complete, um, instead of hanging around Mega City 2 and going to um, like the Pleasure Emporium or whatever... <laughs> Um, oh he says i have no time for pleasure or i have no interest in pleasure he just arranges for a ride home on a spaceship for tweak and a ride home on a regular plane to mega city one for him and he's like oh just go back home to some peace and quiet when has there ever been peace and quiet for him in mega city one whatever's waiting for me it can't be as bad as the cursed earth and then the narration box says but the judge is wrong it's worse oh god which it is man judge cow oh my god That's bad news huh starting next prog oh jesus oh. god man i can't handle this it is this is actually thrill overload <laughs> It was really good, right, man? There's like I oh, love the uh, really great. I love the recap at the end, all the tragic mm-hmm. death of these guys, sort of the, you know, just like adding in the added tragedy of Tweak's story in the middle of the like right right at the end was really good too. Of just kind of like oh, like this, you know, little Aardvark guy is like super heroic <laughs> despite the fact that he's gotten just a terrible, a terrible run of things from humanity, you know. Well, I really like that they gave it the time. Like, they didn't give it a one panel or a half page or two page. They, they're they like, this whole comic and even into the next one is all going to be Tweak's story. Yeah. And it was it was just really good. It felt great. And I'm glad that he's home. And I hope we never see him again for that reason. Like, I would love to see that character more. But, like, that's what you want. Yeah, I forget if he comes back that much. I know that like there's a bunch of in like 2004 or something like that. There's a bunch of um, like whatever happened to um, mm-hmm. comics, but I and and tweaks one of That's them. That's neat. That's neat. But yeah, but we shouldn't even worry about that because it's like 40 years from from where we, we are right now. Um, Jeez. Yeah. That's so long. But yeah, but man, um, Kirster like. You know, the Robot Revolt kind of is, just because it's a multi-part story and stuff. But this is Oh, sure. Like, for me, this is the first real Dread epic. I don't think anybody can disagree with, like, that. At least it's the second. But it's really, like, you know, it's 25 issues. It's going through all this different trials and travails. And we get all this crazy, awesome stuff about the Cursed Earth and Judge Dread in it and stuff. If this is where Judge Dread's going, um, holy shit. <laughs> well, I think one other thing to that's interesting to look at is the final shot of this story is they have a Judge Dredd walking to Mega City One and stuff like that, mm. and he's mostly morphed into what he'll look like in the future. I guess like he's sort of gained some bulk and his mm. jaws really starting to look very kind of square and stuff <laughs> like that. Like compare how Judge Dredd looks now to how he looked maybe 20 progs to how we look when we started the cursed earth say or oh, how sure. he looks how he looks in the 2080 annual we're gonna do next week you know he's a very his character has evolved a lot in terms of how it looks and stuff and we're basically getting to the point where he starts looking like what dread looks like or what he's gonna look like for the next 39 years or whatever his profile shots and his like whenever his mouth is open and his gaping maw just is like breathing in the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a good there's a good profile where you see him and he's got that permanent frown built into his jaw and stuff and it's real good. <laughs> ah, I love it. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. 
Speaking of things that are kind of not loved. Uh, Non-thrills, nerve center, letters, and more. Okay. So, first up, Prog 80. Uh, It's letters and editorial times. So in this one, there's a uh, cool picture of a mountain jeep kind of vehicle. Mm -hmm. There's letters about automatic cars, death by pollution, and football hooligans with a suggestion to look into... That's not what we're here for. In the 2080 annual about, (laughs) um, you know, how the Harlem Heroes deal with hooligans. But the key letter in Prague Thank you. This is is important. ...is a letter about casting of an Inferno movie by an unknown writer from Great Wakering, and holy crap, it is the worst um, <laughs> movie casting I've ever read. Um, <clears throat> all, so here's some questions about this casting, Fox. Um, okay. Are all of the like legacy Harlem heroes, uh, that's giant Zack and Slim, played by white guys? Like uh, John, <laughs> John Wayne, David Soule, and James Garner? <laughs> And, the- F- <laughs> and FYI, uh, John Wayne in 1978 is 72 years old, and he'll be dead in June of 1979. Yes, that is uh, true. All of these things are very true. All is of the, the o- things you just said. Is the only black actor suggested, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, playing Flying Goblin character Marvin Blue? Yes, this is also true. Is, uh, is the giant caveman uh- Moody Blue? guy played by starsky from starsky and hutch absolutely (laughs) so uh as i said he doesn't see race (laughs) (sighs) it's terrible it is the worst movie casting i've ever seen it's just it's not just whitewashing it's just like you just listed a bunch of celebrities and a bunch of characters in this movie or of characters in this comic you just mash them together without any thought put into it it's horrifying Moody Blue should be at least like a stocky guy. There's been a bunch of those in acting or in movies. It's bad. So anyhow, this is the worst I've ever seen. And this this guy, this now likely 40-something-year-old man from Great Wakering (laughs) should feel bad about himself, essentially. The world may never know your name, but we will always know your shame. Exactly. <laughs> so there's also a, a contest to win Matchbox car versions of these vehicles from the Cursed Earth storyline. You Looks win, awesome. Yeah, you win using a cipher. Don't worry, I got you for how it works. Um, <laughs> and then there's rules for the Cursed Earth game. We haven't been super talking about it, but for the last couple progs, they've been posting pieces of the game board and game tokens for this board, for this Cursed Earth board game. And man, it looks super complicated. <laughs> Yeah, I I was going to say, like, if we were going to start trying to play the games in this, did you want to start at the super complicated one? <laughs> no, man, I don't want to do this. This seems like the board is just a bunch. It's like a huge crosshatch of something. It's got like nine parts. It's crazy. I don't want to do this. Yeah. I want to live. It, <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't seem viable to be a thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't, I don't know what you... I'm sure they explain it. Yeah. I'm sure someone out there knows. You move around the map and stuff like that and kind of get different tokens and stuff, but it's basically just looks like Monopoly combined with Long Division. (laughs) 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 Anyhow, um, in Progeny 1, there's a lot of letters asking questions about Tharg eating plastic, plus requests for more future sports stories, and a cool picture of a high-gravity monster creature. I completely agree with the sports stories. 
Yeah. Also, there's a teaser a little bit for the new Flesh chapter. It will be sea-based. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they finish up the matchbox um, question. It's a cipher. The cipher translates to droids on the march. Um, oh, by the way, you also... Um, there's a guy who wants to bring back Frank. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the Invisible Man? I'm okay yeah. with it. I, or the Visible Man, I should say. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, down, with that. Uh, I'm down with that, too. So that's it's the same kid who did the future sports. Yeah, he likes future sports and he likes visible men. Fair enough. I'm just I'm just saying he's cut <laughs> from the same cloth. Mm, yeah, yeah. This is you from the past, I guess. Oh God. <laughs> so, uh, in Prague eighty two, Tharg comments on vacation time in England, and there are letters about wider distribution of two thousand AD, a request for more Mach Zero, and two letters requesting more female characters, including one from a female in Limerick, Ireland, who both exposes the fact that Death Planet was sexist bullshit and says that oh. girl, that that women are so tough enough to be in a science fiction action comic like two thousand AD. The quote That's is, awesome. we demand stories about women, not soppy ones. Agreed. <laughs> awesome. A female of Limerick Island. Yeah, yeah well played. As much as the guy who sent in that terrible casting was bad, you are a good letter writer. Mm-hmm. There's also a second set of letters that are uh, pro-Walter. They demand some alien heroes as well as more informers. Uh, Inferno and uh, then some some guy someone complaining that McMahon's uh, T Rexes have the wrong number of claws. To which I say, whatever, nerd. <laughs> <And> <laughs> then the last page of Prog eighty three actually has a pretty funny parody of oh. uh, like the classic um, Charles Atlas Hero of the Beach um, commercial, mm-hmm. but instead it features Walter and a robot um, bodybuilding commercial. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of buy parts and install them on yourself, I guess. It looks really weird. Yeah, but I, honestly, now I've read enough old comics to know this is an exact duplicate of uh, bodybuilding comics. Really? They've just, they've just swapped out robots, and they've added a little joke where um, after a robot steals Walter's girlfriend, Walter works out, then shows up and beats up that bully, and... Instead of like in the actual thing where the girls like ooh like I'm go I go out with a guy who beats the most uh, who who beats people up the most on the beach, <laughs> she says hey man you're being a bully to this guy like whatever you just bought a bunch of robot parts and now you think you you can you can date me whatever get out of here and the two of them leave and Walter's like That's oh awesome. quikey which I think it's a pretty good statement honestly yep. like <laughs> yep be yourself kids yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Be you, but don't, don't you know, punching people doesn't get you the girl automatically. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, they think for themselves, too. Mm. Prog 83, uh, the price of the comic has gone up to a wallet-breaking 10 pence. Boo! <laughs> I'm just glad it hasn't gone up in groats. I would exactly. be very upset. I do all of my trading in groats. There's no interplanetary inflation, just British inflation. Mm-hmm. So letters complain about this price increase. <laughs> they accuse, <laughs> and then also uh, accuse Tharg of stealing from the book slash movie Damnation Alley and from them, the movie about giant ants, for the cursed Earth and Ant Wars, respectively. Tharg tells them to lighten up, which I think is fair. Mm-hmm. Because Ant Wars is awesome. Yeah, but still, strangely hostile letter page in Brock eighty three. 
I guess, you know, you got to have some of the negative stuff. You want to show that you're not just posting positive garbage. Maybe, I guess, whatever. In, in Prog 84, <laughs> a letter calls out the use of song lyrics and band names in Judge Dredd and then compliments Be- uh, Bellardinelli for his art, which I think we can all agree on. And then, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Where there's also a 2080 crossword, and then people write in with predictions about the year 3000 and the year <laughs> 60 million, and there's an awesome maze. It's a yeah. pretty. I did it with. I. I mean, I traced it, but it was pretty good. You're supposed to do it in 20 seconds. That's the key. Uh... But in Prague 85, there's huge news that the sister comic of 2080, Star Lord, has been shut down. Two of its top titles, or the, its two top titles, Strontium Dog and Robusters, will be folded into 2080 next week. I'm so excited. Yeah, and the comic will change its name to 2080 and Star Lord. It's a big deal. Damn. Yeah, so, sorry. Also, a letter writer writes in and insults Tharg pretty bad. He says, um, I would like to congratulate you on your fantastic comic, but I would like to make one small criticism. You, nothing personal, but you are just not suited to the job of editor. The reason is that human beings have a very primitive brain, and we look upon such highly advanced beings as yourself as coming straight from the pages of science fiction, and it is hard to accept that you exist. Therefore, I advise that you resign for a few million years. Whoa. Uh, at that time being similar to yourself, might be within our comprehension. And Tharg basically curses him out in uh, Beetlejuicean, which is pretty good. Yeah, dude. That kid needs to step off. Yep. <laughs> um, other letters in this prog include a straight-up com- uh, advertisement for New Scientist magazine, and yeah. one kid saying, like, hey, 2018 and Starler should team up, if you ask me. And they're like, that's right, kid, just because of you. Just because of you, Michael Campbell from the West Midlands. Good idea. So, uh, anyhow, yeah, no, oh, the, uh, God. The, take uh, another breath, take a bow. <laughs> the addition of Star Lord and 2000 AD teaming up, that's pretty amazing, right? Yeah, I'm actually pretty stoked. Uh, yeah. That seems like a good move. I've seen all the ads for it, so it looks pretty neat. Yeah, it's a pretty shocking development, right? I'm I'm pretty shocked about what I'm going to be seeing in the future. Yeah, that takes us to Thrill for Future Shocks. <laughs> oh, man, get your get your air horns ready. There's a lot of Future Shocks going on this week, Fox. Every prog has at least one, and prog 85 has two, so there's seven <laughs> total Future Shocks this month. It was, it was a shock overload. Wait, no, sorry, only six, but still, there's a lot of Future Shocks. That's what I'm trying to say. So, it is quite a few. First up, <laughs> oh God! Uh, first one's uh, by with a script by uh, Jan Grzynski, art robot Carlos Pino, letter robot Steve Potter. Uh, this guy Greg Isaacs, he's a prisoner in an interplanetary prison on Titan. He decides to escape. His escape goes pretty well. Giant monster attacks, notwithstanding, he thinks he's escaped, but it's actually a VR simulation that's part of his rehabilitation thing on the jail. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Oh, shit. I'm on DMT forever. (laughs) Next up, uh, there's just a ton, a huge info dump about the Tunguska event. Uh, In 1908, huge explosion. No one knows what's happened. Very mysterious. No one knows what caused it. In the year 2000 AD, (laughs) a bunch of scientists decide to send some time travel dudes back in time to check it out. But as they do, something goes wrong with their time ship and it goes out of control. They crash into Earth in 1908. They're the cause of the Tunguska event themselves. Bam, bam, bam! (laughs) 
That was by uh, J. Adrian, art by Frizziano, oh. lettering by P. Bensberg. Third story, script robot Stan Nichols, art robot Vanio, lettering robot J. Raffaeline. Oh. So Lawrence Kramer's uh, English guy, whatever, human dude, fell off an ocean liner. He's about to drown to death when he gets abducted by aliens who put him in their space zoo. They've made a cage that's just like where they found him. Yep. They put him in a big ball of swirling ocean water. He's going to drown. They're really figuring it out. Script robot Roy Preston, art robot Puchades and Martinez, lettering robot Tom Frame. There's a huge, awesome sci-fi army preparing to oh. find a new world to conquer. They spend a whole bunch, like spend like three pages saying how awesome they are and how they're ready to conquer worlds because they're unbeatable armies. They land on a weird, cold, damp world. Suddenly, there's a huge tidal wave and they're all drowned. Oh no, they were hella tiny and they land in their little kid's eye and then got drowned by the kid's tears. <laughs> Next up, script by Mike Cruden, art by John Cooper, lettering robot John Aldrich. This one's called The Fourth Wall. A spoiled kid gets a futuristic television set and vault installed in his room. It's so realistic that the laser blasts from his favorite sci-fi television show end up killing him. <laughs> oh, your shitty kid's dead forever. <laughs> Last up, script robot Barry Clements, art robot Redondo, lettering robot Jill Raffaeline. This is the second Future Shock in Prague 85, by the way. A hunter sees a a pair of aliens land in the forest and take human form. Then they wander into the local city. The hunter follows them, waiting for them to do something evil, but instead they just go to various tourist spots. In the end, the aliens go back to their ship and fly off, and the hunter's like, what the heck is going on? They talk amongst themselves, looking at pictures they took while they were on Earth. It's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. (laughs) Future shocks. I swear to God, I so I, I want to talk to you about something real quick. Hit me. Can it be considered for uh, a top or bottom thrill, this this run? Future Shocks can always be considered a top or bottom thrill. Absolutely. Because I'll be honest, like, it's a contender. I like, I don't like to put them as my bottom just because they're sort of there to fill space and stuff. So, yeah. like... I feel bad about saying they're the bottom because they're definitely just compressed storylines and just trying to make sure there's stuff going on. But hey, if you like these future shocks, there's a lot going on. I did them fast because I think they're very silly and I kind of like. I think it's really funny to just <laughs> toss Get, all the ridiculousness yeah. into one pot. But <laughs> do it. Well, that's it. That's the thing. Is like, it's so garbage and it's it like knows now how long it has and it's just embraced how. How cornball it gets to be, you know? Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I respect that a lot. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But, you know, Dan Dare lead-in. God, I completely (laughs) couldn't think of anything. Yeah, speaking of Dan Dare. (laughs) 305, (laughs) Dan Dare. I couldn't figure out how to link that with Doomsday Machine. It's fine, buddy. Uh, Script robots are uh, Henry Miller and then Lando and Preston. Art robots are Goring and Leech, and then Dave Gibbons. Lettering robot is Pete Knight. Okay. <laughs> so we left. We we finished last week with the Starfort being depowered and tractor beamed into the hold of some other even bigger ship. We now see that the hold is full of other spaceships. Uh, 
the Enterprise is in there. The ship from Space 1999 is in there. Uh, Maria, the uh, the machine mensch from the movie Metropolis is in there. Mm. So Dare, the kid, and Hitman go out to investigate the ship. They get attacked by crazy space primitives. Uh, Hitman and Dare are separated from the kid. And they find refuge with this old space guy named Jeremy Bartholomew Binder, or Jebby to his friends. Who looks slightly like that one future shot guy who threw a probe into a sun. It's true. He looks like the space um, janitor from February. Um, Mm. So he's got a a nicely appointed spaceship with lights that keep away the primitives because they don't like the lights. But the batteries are going out. They're about to be covered in darkness. It's bad times. Oh, no. What are we going to do? Prog 81 has a Dandare cover that says... Dan Dare, Guardian of the Galaxy, which is kind of funny with the Star-Lord stuff that's coming up. Mm -hmm. There's Uh, some parallels. Yeah. Note that uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy and the character Star-Lord did exist at this point, though Star-Lord was a really minor character and wasn't a member of the Guardians just yet. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyhow, uh, these savages got these savages grab Dan, Hitman, and Jebby, and then they drag them to this weird podium in the middle of the ship. Things get weird. Yeah, they get tied up and then ditched, and suddenly a bunch of glowing eyes appear in the darkness. Also in this prog, there's a cool pinup of the space fort at the end of the episode. Yeah, I really like it a lot. At the end of the issue, yep. So, uh, Dare, Hitman, and Jebby all get eaten alive by a giant techno snake. Oh, no. (laughs) Meanwhile, (laughs) Bear wakes up and... Oh, Oh, sorry, I was going to say, but don't worry, it's not so bad, question mark? for sure, yeah. Bear wakes up in a sick bay and despite the fact that he went space crazy and opened up the airlocks and killed four dudes he's immediately made acting commander Um, (laughs) he goes out on his own to find the kid and he quickly does as well as the search party that was after the kid in the first place kid is alive the others have been speared to death by savages which holy shit and they really show it like these guys are definitely speared they're full on speared and crucified against the walls and stuff a snake then vomits. Well, yeah. Uh, kid is also <laughs> getting telepathic messages, and oh, he right. and Bear follow them deep into the ship. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the space snake pukes out Dare, Hitman, and Jibby, <laughs> and they're all now encased, encased in stasis in these glass pills. After some quick mind scanning, they're released from the glass, and they see that they're in some kind of space zoo. It already has a human in residence, so they are rejected. What happens to rejects to the space zoo? Uh, This giant monster hand behind them certainly has some ideas. Oh, God. It's (laughs) the most terrifying of things that I can imagine that I would face in space. (laughs) It's a giant space bear. Yep. So, next prog... um, Bear and the kid find a control room, and through a window they see Dare, Hitman, and Jebby attacked by a crazy space monster. Aw, man. Yeah, Bear breaks through the window and goes mano a claw with the big bear, with the big monster. Um, And, like, really gives it a run for a little while. Yeah, man, Bear gets slashed but gets a second wind. He jumps on the back of the monster with a big knife and just starts stabbing it and stuff. Eventually, he rides the back of the monster into a Star Wars required nearby bottomless pit, and (laughs) Bear is dead. Oh, no. It's such garbage, but such the right way to go for him. It's a sad but honorable death for Bear. Mm -hmm. Kid hears a telepathic voice. 
pulling him forward, we um, follow him along. Um, next up, next prog, Dan, Hitman, Kid, and Jebby follow the Kid's psychic brain through the ship, past jars of preserved aliens and doors sealed by alien languages that Kid can suddenly read. They come to a huge golden door, which Kid in a trance is able to open. Inside, and uh, oh. Conrad, yeah, you're you're following this kid who's got potentially psychic powers, and he leads you to a giant golden door. Yeah, um, and seems to not be himself anymore. You think it's a good idea to let him open that door? Well, like, I think first I'm going to shoot the door and see what happens. <laughs> Answer: The bolt rebounds back on me and almost kills me. <laughs> <laughs> But what if the room starts filling up with gas? Oh, you know, these things happen. So the uh, door opens, they enter in. <laughs> these things happen. <laughs> they find a, uh, an ancient feasting table that hasn't been touched for centuries. They, like, pick up the goblets and they dissolve in their hands and stuff. Behind a golden cloak, they find the last of the owners of the ship, and it's a big... It's a big, monstrous alien skeleton. The last of the golden ones. Which looks slightly angelic, which I think was purposeful. Yeah, it's like an alien. It's like it's a regular kind of skeleton, but the uh, skull has kind of a gray kind of skull, but with antenna. Like, you know, big eyes, oh. antennas, small mouth. And then they have uh, wings on the back. Bone wings. Like, it's not like, weird. Well, they don't have wings like a bird, where the bird wings actually just kind of really, really thin bones yeah that sort of the feathers cover these guys like their bones are all wing so they have kind of like insect wings kind of and it's very bizarre so so yeah so there's a weird skeleton and kids that looking real crazy he suddenly got magic powers and he's shooting beams at people um dandier grabs the skeleton and immediately disintegrates and that seems to cool kid kid out <laughs> He's now fully possessed by the Golden One and tell his story. The Golden Ones were apparently an ancient race of winged alien dudes. They were exploring the galaxy, but they all eventually died, and the ship was put on autopilot, and now it's wandering space, getting samples and blowing up planets. It's Which, uh, really, yeah, not great for anybody. <laughs> yeah. So, Kid leads the guys to the central power core, where there is a lever that will turn off the power from the ship, probably killing everybody aboard, but at least the ship won't be blowing up planets. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Dandere throws the switch, and it's time to run, to escape. <laughs> the quartet runs back to their ships, uh, sprinting through the horde of savages. As they do, Hitman gets speared in the back. No! That's such crap. Yeah, Hitman sacrifices himself to cover Dan and the kid as they, and just they, run to the Starfort and get aboard the Eagle Crafts. No mention of the other crew of the ship that maybe might want to survive the destruction of the ship and go along <laughs> on the ships with them. Nah, just kid in one ship, Dan in the other ship, they fly out. Let's get out of here, man. Um, they approach the uh, hangar of the big ship they're in. The, there's a standard sort of, you know, the door starts closing as they do. Dan Dare makes it out. The kid is wall pizza. Um, Dan appears safe until suddenly the big ship explodes and he's caught in the shockwave. We end Dan Dare with him in his spacesuit, lying on a piece of wreckage from the eagle, unconscious, floating through the depths of space. Is this the end for Dan Dare? Nah, like Robo Hunter, he'll be back in Prog 100. Oh, okay, awesome. I was actually, I was waiting for that because, holy crap, that ending, am I right? It's ultra bleak, man. Like, they just start I... running. They forget about everybody. 
get on those ships, and then it's just like Dan. It's 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 cool because he's sort of lying on the symbol of the eagle, which is the comic he used to be in back in the day. So mm-hmm. it's real like symbolic and stuff. But it's just him sort of splayed out like Titanic style um, on this piece of ship, yeah, floating, ju- like floating drifting, into the void. Basically. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I I just gotta say like this is this is the comic strip that you and I. Where it's like the action battle playset from Mattel featuring Dan Dare, you know, and and it's so fun and and crazy and acid induced sometimes, <laughs> but never but never bleak, you know, <clears throat> and it's something interesting that they've been doing recently, like how they end stories uh, yeah. haven't haven't been too like positive and i think that's such a an interesting thing to do for a kids comic book series yeah man for sure Let, let's talk about it in just a second because sure. first we got to talk about thrill six walter the robot friend of dwed oh why always there's just two um i should, I should say actually speaking of bleak endings um here we go <laughs> But uh, so just two Walter stories. Uh, one, Walter's scanners are broken, so he's temporarily given a pair of glasses by the robot doctor. These yeah. are like big Coke bottle glasses, and people confuse him for robot pop star Elton Droid. Mm. <laughs> a mob breaks out, and eventually Walter's found out to be an imposter. Because of that, he's tossed in a robot pound. No one comes to claim him in 24 hours, and he's sent to special guest star Mech Quake from Robusters, who's a dumb robot whose job <laughs> is destroying other robots. Jeez. Luckily, in the next prog, Maria realizes that Walter isn't around, goes to the robot pound to find him, and saves Walter from Mechquake. And man, it's real awesome that Maria and Walter are now friends and hang out together. <laughs> this is my nightmare. <laughs> and that's it for Thrills this month, man. Oh my god. So yeah, except for I guess well I mean no every every thrill had a real bummer ending man or pretty much all of them I guess I guess dread didn't right and uh, I guess or spike you lost spike yeah. and and then Robo Hunter didn't too they sort of ended like all right we're gonna take it to the robots mm. but yeah but I, I think like each ending it was impactful is what I yeah. would call it. You know, they all had really good in it. Like, you know, Ant Wars was real dark. Like, this is about to happen again, but even more so. Dan yeah. Dare is real dark with Dan just floating in space, presumably dead, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Walter and Maria team up. That's pretty dark, too. Like, <laughs> God, it's it's really just the killer combo that you never wanted to see. And then, there's, no like a de- and then like, there's a dead kid in Future Shocks and stuff. It's bad times. Oh, man. That was that one was my favorite future shock to be perfectly honest. I mean, yeah, the the kid died or whatever, but like he was a total fucking asshole yeah. and if there's anything that I can say is pleasurably consistent about 2000 AD, they say if you're a dickhead little kid, you just die in our comic books or get yeah, slapped. It's true. Bad kids get their come up in 2000 AD. <laughs> it's freaking great. So, you know, I it was just a I I uh, I remember a time when you and I were recording these where we would have bad times. Do you remember what bad times felt like? Sure, when man. Comic wasn't good. Because <laughs> yeah. like I can't remember. It hasn't happened uh, like that recently. <laughs> and it's, it's starting awesome, to get man. weird. 
it's starting to get really weird not to be yeah. like, man, this was heavily racist or what a horrible story. Like now I have to step up my game and say, Ugh, like, you know, Dan Dare ending this way wasn't perfect for nitpick yeah. reasons. Yeah, you're angry for things for underperforming instead of just being bad. It's good times, honestly. <laughs> I'm pretty excited. Um, you know, yeah, but okay, so Fox, speaking of which, what are your, what is your top and bottom thrill for this September and early October 1978? Okay, so this is fucked up because uh all five are something that i want to vote for um i think i mean we 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 kind of already went over some of the reasons why um you know uh i've already given some accolades to judge shred and we know the cursed earth is good i mean you should just read it like i i'm gonna wholesale patently say that if you're listening to us you should read the cursed earth series just even yeah there's a graphic novel for it that was just re-released with all of the um uh, Burger War and Atlanta the Mascot stuff too, so it's worth checking out. It's incredibly fun. Um, I'd I'd have said Ant War um, for a lot of reasons, but if I have to nitpick, I feel like the end was rushed. Right, like it's like this person dies, this person dies, and it didn't matter. The end panel, like the last page, was really great. <laughs> nitpick, that's funny. It's about ants. Um, <laughs> so this is what I'll say. It's a toss up between. Future Shocks and Robo Hunter, and if we're really talking real talk, it's gonna be Robo Hunter. I choose Robo Hunter, All despite right. making me feel uncomfortable. It does make me feel uncomfortable because, yeah, and man. and I think that's okay. At work, um, at uh, a little bit behind the curtain at, at work today, Fox came up to me and he said, "I feel bad for these robots," and I was like, "Don't feel bad for these robots." <laughs> He called. He basically put me I on the same him, level as I Unk. Call, yeah, Unk, the uh, the the, the uh, Eskimo kid that helped out Shacko and betrayed the human race. I said, a Fox was a was a robot sympathizer, and that he had chosen <laughs> against his own kind to help robot kind, and okay, that that was our unacceptable. Own kind sent one man to this planet. They sent armies before him, and they just sent one man, the right man for the job, and that's Sam Slade. Robo Hunter, S L A Y E D to you. Also, his baby friend. It's <laughs> really right. uh, bottom. No, man. And I'm glad you like Robo Hunter. It's really one of my favorite ones. What's your bottom I, for this month? Yeah, I, first off, and also thank you for for suggesting this. Right, like that's <laughs> why I'm excited about Star Lord. It's why I'm excited about Robo or. Uh, um, uh, Robusters, Robusters and Strontium Dog. Yeah. Yeah, Strontium Dog. So anyway, um bottom that's a bit rough, right? Uh I can't say Walter the Wobot because no, of that's not a, not an acceptable choice. You gotta actually make some hard hard decisions here. <laughs> uh then I will say Ant Wars. I will actually say Ant Wars. It it ended masterfully and it was a beautiful thing. It was funny. It really caught its stride. The only thing that wasn't too great was that it started racist and ended just a little poorly mm, fair enough uh for me <laughs> top thrill judge dread oh shit man cursed earth tweak story <laughs> dead death valley stuff everything oh man it's so good everything about judge dread was so awesome and can't be like whatever i, I defy anybody to say otherwise this is it's awesome consistently judge dread stuff. great it's consistently great. Everything's about it real is real good. The action's real good. I love my Mike 
McMahon's uh, art, especially just because it's real mm-hmm. sketchy and real, like not sketchy in a bad way, but like it's sketch-like. I think I've said this before. Uh, right, rougher edges instead of yeah. straighter lines and things. And like Tweak's story is really heartbreaking and really like an interesting, you know, gives you makes you feel emotions you aren't used to feeling for sort of a uh, an aardvark looking uh, a- alien, you know. Um, it it shows how much character you can put into something after yeah. you know a, a prog and a half. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, bottom thrill, uh, Dan Dare. Um, really? Yeah. Really? I don't, I like, man, I hate, um, that everybody died in it. Um, I liked oh, yeah. the secondary guys like Bear and Hitman. Oh, I they really, made the, they made the series. Yeah. I'm really bummed out that, um, it relied on another one of these red shirt new characters to sort of drive the story along. Like, I don't care about mm-hmm. kid. I've never heard of this guy before. Um, I don't like that. Say they, that's fair. That as they escaped, they abandoned everybody. And Dan Dare didn't try to at least get the rest of his buddies on angels <laughs> when he left. Like yeah, that's a, as soon as bear and, and Hitman are gone. I mean, fuck the rest. It's like, so. as soon as those guys die, the rest of the crew was dead basically. <laughs> Cause those are the only ones we knew the names of. Um, Oh my god. And then just like, you know, like floating off into space is so bleak, you know? Yeah, it's actually, it definitely didn't end yeah, happy. I, I actually like that, but just that the, um, like that, like just the bleakness and the going off into space stuff, that's cool, but like, in the end, um, this was kind of a weak story to go out on, because it just sort mm. of like has a bunch of mysteries, and then in the end it's just sort of a angel alien, who cares, kind of thing. <laughs> I get you, and I see where you're, especially after uh, the, um, Star, Star Killers. No, Star Slayers. Star Slayers. Thank you. Like the Star Slayer series was really amazing. Yeah, that was a real fun fight, and they did a bunch of stuff to set it up and things like that. It feels mm-hmm. like there's a lot of stuff that was set up that doesn't actually come through with this stuff, like Kid being able to blast people with energy beams, or all the stuff with the alien zoo that's never really like expounded upon. You know, like they fight one thing, but they don't like uncover more people to help them out. Or so I don't know. There's just a lot of opportunities that are sort of set up, but then not capitalized on. And so it's a very interesting point. Yeah, it makes it sort of feel like there's wasted stuff. I mean, I don't know. That's sort of my no. Feeling. They they totally had all of these sets that they could have just been like, oh, we'll get all these sentient things together because I imagine he would have brought along a scientist. But they kept saying yeah. the the like wild men were really difficult. I'm like, you've got guns. Yeah, exactly. Just shoot them. I just want to give special shout out to the future shock that's about the a- invading aliens that end up being really <laughs> tiny. Yeah, also, that's a really fun story, and just the uh, the war machine of these tiny aliens before they head out looks really cool. Like all their sci-fi army stuff and things like that is really dope. Oh my god, it really is. I, I future shocks have stepped up their game. I I refuse to believe anything else. I mean, it's the same sort of things, but like at least they're getting a little bit more time for setups, and they aren't just mm. sort of um, they're going for a little slightly less obvious punchlines, or no. <laughs> They're going for the same punchlines, but at least the setups are a little... Either the punchline's a little non-standard <laughs> or the setup's a little built up more, you know? Mm-hmm. You can't and do both. And helps. Yeah. Like, you can't really do both and have the comic be more than... Be two pages long, you know? But mm-hmm. I'm willing to accept it, you know? Hey, it's good. It's way better than, like, early ones. Like, when, you know, there was a future shock that was just some fighter pilots narrating with a bunch of uh, animal references and then it turns out that there's a falcon and flying the plane you know that was awesome i loved that one (laughs) because it was terrible 
<laughs> Look, exactly. I'll pay the extra pence for the extra pages. That's all it comes down to. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Anyhow, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. You can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at cradaline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com or on our fancy new Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're spacespinner2k. For everything else, uh, look up spacespinner2000 and we should be there. Tune in next week as we take another break from Prague's for the 2000 AD annual 1979. Oh, no. I think last year we actually liked the annual a little bit better okay. than, the, than okay. the specials or whatever, so it could be fun, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mach 1 plays hockey, the Harlem Heroes deal with <laughs> hooligans, Judge, <laughs> Judge Dredd fights some slot machines, there's, awesome. an, there's an invasion story where they blow up a fuel truck, and okay. there's future shocks, and then just some random old comics from the IPC Fleetway Vault. Hooray! God. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. Until next time, I'm Conrad. He's Fox. And we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid Rig. Splendid Rig. <laughs>